0: You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Clemens G. Arve. Clemens is an Austrian biologist and nonfiction writer who studied landscape ecology and applied plant science in Vienna and Graz. He centers his work on the relationship between humans and nature, focusing on the health promoting effects of contact with plants, animals, and landscapes. What Sounds True, Clemens Arvey has written a new book called The Biophilia Effect, a scientific and spiritual exploration of the healing bond between humans and nature, where he presents fascinating research, practical tools and activities, inspiring stories and more, in this accessible guide to the remarkable benefits of being in nature. In this episode of Insights at the Edge... Clemens and I spoke about terpenes, what they are, their important characteristic, as what Clemens calls chemical words, and how they could affect the future of medicine. We also talked about the idea that we are eco-psychosomatic beings, connected beyond our skin, and how this realization changes our relationship with the natural world. We talked about the origins of forest bathing, how to receive the most healing benefit from time spent in nature. We also talked about research studies on how plants and greenery accelerate the healing process and what a biophiliac revolution in healthcare might look like. Here's my conversation with Clemens Arvey. Clemens, you've written a new book called The Biophilia Effect, and I think for many of our listeners, they'll be hearing this word, biophilia, for the very first time. So what does the word biophilia mean?
1: The word biophilia originally means uh, love to nature or love of nature. Uh, It goes back to a very famous German and American psychoanalyst Erich Fromm and he said that every human being has a biophilic force in his psyche or or in her psyche and this biophilic force um, connects us with other species, with other living creatures and we have a desire to be close to living processes in nature. And if we uh, let our biophilic force, you know, kind of flow, then it keeps us healthy. But if we disconnect ourselves from nature, we will become ill. And modern science brings the evidences now, the evidence now, that this theory that goes back to the 60s when Erich Fromm wrote about it, is really, really true, and even has a, a um, a biological fundament, you know, an evidence-based fundament nowadays,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: great. And my book is about the new science of how how nature keeps us healthy or helps us healing from diseases.
0: So the biophilic force inside me or inside you, that's a force inside us that wants to connect with nature that wants to connect with each other. I'm trying to distinguish how would I connect to that inside of myself and say, oh, this is different than, let's say, Eros, than an erotic force that's inside me, or maybe it's connected in some way.
1: Well, the biophilic force, you know, it originates in our evolution. We are creatures of nature. We have been formed and shaped uh, during millions of years. Uh, in interconnection with nature. And, of course, this has left traces inside our soul, inside our psyche, and even inside our bodies. We, we cannot live without nature, you know. So this is a fundamental uh, thing, a fundamental force, the basic of life. No life form can live without nature. And uh, this is why nowadays we say that biophilia is an innate tendency to connect with other species. Um, And the evolutionary biologist Edward Wilson, who was a professor at Harvard University, um, kind of introduced the biophilia term into natural sciences when he formulated his biophilia hypothesis. That means that Nature is in our genes, you know, it's an innate tendency to connect with nature. We are born biophilic creatures and all other uh, kinds of life forces are based on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, our connection to nature is the basic of all the others, love and everything else.
0: Now, Clemens, I think that most people have an intuitive sense that being in nature, spending time walking in the woods, sitting in the forest, nourishes us in some very deep way. But what I think is unusual about your work is that you've collected the science that helps us understand what's actually happening, the mechanisms that are at work. Can you go into that a bit? What's actually happening inside of us physiologically when we're feeling so nourished by being out in nature?
1: Yes, what you just described uh, is a very is a very well known phenomena. We feel good in nature. We feel intuitively that nature is good for us. And like many many other people, I was always captured by the experience of nature. I was born at the edge of a forest, for example. And uh, But what I'm interested in as a biologist is, as you just said, the mechanisms of how, how nature is good for us. Um, and we know now that the effects and the impact that nature has on us goes much, much deeper than we would have expected. So let's start with a very uh, basic biochemical um, fact. When you enter a forest, you breathe in forest air, of course. And this forest air is full of bioactive molecules derived by plants, for example, by trees. There are chemical compounds in the air that we call terpenes. And those are the most important uh, secondary, secondary plant compounds that we know in nature. For example, trees use terpenes as a kind of chemical words to communicate to each other. For example, when a pest enters the forest and attacks a tree, then this tree would react with an increased immune function and release specific terpenes, that carry um, the information for other trees that the forest is attacked. So other trees prospectively can activate their own immune function as well. And this is a very uh, well working uh, communicative um, mechanism that keeps the, the the, the big organism of the forest alive and healthy. So what we know now from from very recent scientific studies that have been p- published in 2013 is that e- even our own immune system reacts with an increased function when we breathe in those, those terpenes from forest air.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you spend one day in a forest, after what you have 40% more natural killer cells in your blood and even... Um, the activity of those cells is increased. And the natural killer cells are very important for our immune function. They eliminate viruses and bacteria from our organism. So they are kind of a very fundamental and very important part of our immune system. Not only that, being exposed to terpenes also has an, has an impact on our anti-cancer proteins, they are called perforine, granulazine, and the so-called um, uh, granzymes, sorry. And those pr- proteins are very important for our immune system to, ex- uh, to attack dangerous, dangerous cells that might lead to cancer or existing tumor cells. That's why we call them um, the anti-cancer proteins. And those anti-cancer proteins are also increased by just being in nature and breathing in those terpenes from forest air.
0: Now, Clemens, this is the first time through your work, through your book, The Biophilia Effect, in this conversation that I've ever been introduced to this idea of terpenes. When were these discovered and what's the science behind their discovery?
1: This is a very old knowledge. You know, um, terpenes are well known since Decades And the field of plant sociology, the, the, the science of the social life of plants, started in the late 60s, 1960s. Biology, biologists know for very long that plants have a social life which is maintained in a biological way by chemical exchange of messages. And it is not that kind of communication that we use. For example, when I'm talking to you, it's not like talking with words, but it's, talking, it's like talking with, with chemical symbols or chemical molecules that carry a specific information. It's the same way that our, organ, uh, that our organs use to communicate to each other. Um, so you can, you can look at the forest as a kind of big communicating organism, and the trees are kind of the organs of the forest, like our organs build up our organism. Mm -hmm. And every biological system needs communication, needs a biological exchange of information to stay healthy and to maintain its function. And this is, as I said, a very old knowledge of biologists, but what the new thing is that we, those terpenes have such a, such a significant impact on our immune system, and not only on our immune system, even on the health of our heart. For example, exposure to terpenes increases the production, production of DHEA in our body, which is a substance that protects us from heart attacks. It's called dehydroepiandrosterone, for those who are interested in that. And so in the last years, we have, science has, has collected many evidences for this physical, organic impact of natural substances on our organs and on our cells. And this is the new thing in it. Also for me personally, it was very surprising to work on that book, you know, it changed my way, um, my view on nature, my view on the forest. I enter the forest with a different consciousness now, you know, with a different state of mind, because I understand now that all these, those communicative processes, all those biological processes in the forest have much more to do with my health than I would ever have expected before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think we are just starting to understand how deeply we are interconnected with nature, and what a big and, and 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 horrific mistake it is to destroy our ecosystems. You know, we are now on the point that we can say it's not only bad for the earth, it's not only bad for our climate and for the animals, but it is really, uh, as I said a horrific negative thing for us personally, for us humans to destroy the ecosystems. And for me as a biologist who was always struggling for a new uh, treatment of nature, for a better treatment of ecosystems and animals, it is also a very positive thing to have those arguments now because now I can say, look, it is not only good for the planet or good for other beings If we take care for the earth, it is even good for you and for me and for each of us.
0: Now, I I want to ask you a question, Clemens. I hope you're not offended by it. But as you were talking about the power of being in the atmosphere of the forest and the Mm -hmm. atmosphere of the terpenes, it made me think, well, okay, for people who don't have the opportunity to just go walk out and be with the trees, will our medicine of the future bring this type of secretion, these molecules, these chemical words, as you describe them, can I just step into like a terpene steam room or something and be exposed to them and derive these benefits?
1: Yes. Well, that's an interesting question, and I can answer that. Uh, There has been a very interesting study conducted by uh, Japanese scientists at the Nippon Medical School, which is a university, a medical university in Tokyo. And they uh, found out that uh, the distribution of terpenes inside a room, you know, indoor, also has a significant health effect on us. In this case, they um, invited their, uh, their patients to sleep in hotel rooms And half of those patients have been treated treated with terpenes, with a vaporizer. And the other half has been treated just by vapor of water. You know, it was a kind of placebo. And what they found out in the morning was that those treated with terpenes had um, significant changes in their blood, as I just described increased number and activity of uh, natural killer cells and increased content of anti-cancer proteins and of some other uh, very important cells like the neutrophils, for example, which are kind of first aid cells of our immune system. And, you know, from that example, you can see that we can bring in, uh, that we can bring those positive effects of plant compounds into our hospitals, for example, uh, for example, into our sleeping rooms, everywhere. But we have to be aware that of course, all those um, arrangements will never have the same effect like the forest, because the forest is you know, it's spiked with, with chemical compounds. It is full of bioactive molecules, millions of them. And, of course, this rich mixture has a significantly stronger effect on us than we can ever copy, kind of, or in, in, in a room. That's quite clear. But another possibility, you're probably thinking about people who live in a big city. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the point is that I absolutely don't think that city dwellers, people who live in the cities, don't have access to trees or forests because i don't know any city that doesn't have city forests urban forests or parks that you know that have uh, or parks that are kind of designed like like small forests or uh, with 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 many trees that also produce of course terpenes for example uh, new york, new york city the the central park of new york, new york city contains many small Forest ecosystems and of course you can go there by metro for example, and you can inhale and breathe in those terpenes from forest air. Chicago is, for example one of uh, a city with, with the city with the most uh, roof forests and roof gardens in the world. and you can have contact to trees, for example in a roof garden, why not? There are so many possibilities for, for city dwellers dwellers to, to have contact to trees, and I think that in every city you have, you have such an option.
0: Now, Clemens, you talked about how these terpenes are like chemical words. They're a form yes. of communication, and that the forest itself is an ecosystem where all this communication is happening. Why is it important to understand the social connections in the forest, why is that important information?
1: Yes, that's that's uh, that's a, an interesting question too. Um, we should we should think about the word "social." What does it mean regarding plants? Plants are social beings, not in in the sense of humans or animals. Um, the the so- sociology of plants, as I described, is a biological and biochemical interaction like between our organs and if we understand this kind of of social behavior and and communicative behavior of trees for example we also understand the complexity of the forest which we can never copy you know or we can never reconstruct with technical methods or for, or anything like that. And this, of course, gives us um, the consciousness of how important our forest ecosystems are. And another thing is if we talk about communication of plants and the social life of plants, usually people are really fascinated by by those facts. So we can gain, you know, some attention for the forest if we um, talk about the communi- communication of plants and if we base our science on that. And my personal hope is that every city should have its own you know, urban forest in the center and every hospital should have access to forests because we know that contact to trees is very important for healing. There has been a very interesting study in the 1970s and 1980s, conducted by Roger Ulrich, who is a health scientist and, and architect in Sweden and Denmark. And he found out that the view on a tree from a hospital window has a significant impact on the healing process people who who had to undergo uh, surgery were divided in groups in a hospital. And one group could see a green surface with a tree through the window. And the other group could only see simply a, a wall, you know, just a, the wall of a building. And he found out that those who could see the trees had a significantly increased healing process. That means they could be released from the hospital significantly earlier and especially uh, they could reduce the intake of medicals, of painkillers, pain significantly compared to the group who could only see the house wall. And the complications after the release of the hospital were significantly decreased in the the group that could see the tree. That means simply seeing nature or natural impacts has an effect, has an impact on our organic health. And now you might wonder about that and say, how is that possible? But it is quite easy to explain because we have a very complex uh, neurological system and we know from from scientific studies from the last years that um, seeing a forest or seeing a tree activates our um, parasympathetic or parasympathetic nerve system, and that is the nerve of regeneration and growth, which is responsible to switch us into a mode in which our cells are regen- regenerated, and our psychic functions, psychological functions, are calmed and balanced. You know, and this is the reason why being in nature or having access to nature even works on the psychological level, but goes, works or has an impact on our cells and organs as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this connection you know this this unity of our psychological level and our physical organic level connected to the e- to the ecological level is called ecopsychosomatics which is a term practically unknown in science but i want to contribute in the distribution of this new science and i think the book the biophilia effect Effect brings a quite good fundament to uh, contribute to the distribution of eco psychosomatics.
0: And if you can define that term for our listeners?
1: Yes. Um, There is no official um, definition of eco psychosomatics, and so far there is not even an English textbook about it. But I suggest to define eco psychosomatics as a new science in which the human organism is viewed as extended beyond the surface of the skin and highly interconnected with the natural world. world. That means we don't end at the surface of the skin and our body function uh, go beyond so that impacts from nature like chemical substances or Also, just hearing or seeing natural impacts becomes a kind of integrative function of our organism. And if we look at ourselves as extended beyond the surface of the skin, then we have this eco-psychosomatic view on the human organism. And it is nothing nothing less than the logical consequence of psychosomatics, because psychosomatics which which is already established views the human being as a composition of the mental or psychological layer connected to the physical layer and both of them cannot be separated but ecopsychosomatics eco-psycho- goes one step further and understands that we are also interconnected with the natural world and that this connection can also not be interrupted without causing a lot of harm for us.
0: Now, the Ulrich study that you shared with us about looking out at a tree and greenery from a hospital bed and how this increases the speed of healing compared to someone who's just in a sealed-off brick room, really interesting Mm -hmm. nine-year study that you write about in The Biophilia Effect, and you also mention that even if somebody can't look out a window, that even if they just see a photograph of a natural setting, that that has some level of benefit. I thought that was very interesting.
1: Yes, there are many, many scientific um, studies that prove that seeing nature scenes on photographs has... A calming effect on us and the content of stress hormones, hormones in our blood decreases and this is really interesting because that means that even people who are really sick and ill and cannot leave their homes or their hospitals have a chance to, to yes to connect to those uh, natural uh, healing forces by for example watching nature scenes hearing um, the sounds of nature and so on. And this is also quite understandable and quite, uh, we can explain it quite well because we know that those impacts from nature that we just hear or see, as I just described, activate the, the parasympathetic nerve system, the nerve of regeneration and growth. And this is not really surprising because, as I just said, we are eco-psychosomatic beings, we are a part of nature, and nature has shaped us, has formed us. And our unconscious mind knows very well which impacts of our environment are good or, or useful for us and which are unhealthy for us. For example, the stressful city life is identified as a kind of danger by our unconscious mind, by the so-called reptilian brain and the the, the limbic system. And they are responsible to to, uh, permanently monitor our environment and switch us into the mode of, of fight and flight, for example, fight or flight, when we are in a dangerous Situation, And we know that modern life with the, with the hectic urban life, for example, uh, activates this, these mechanisms too often and too much. And nature scenes, or being in nature or, or watching nature scenes, helps us to, to activate the nerve of calm and regeneration, of, of regeneration and growth, sorry, the parasympathetic nerve system. So especially when we live in a city, in an urban center, in a metropole, it's very useful for us to calm down and to help against stress diseases.
0: You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. Now, one of the things I noticed, Clemens, as I was reading the biophilia effect is that I started looking around me out the windows of my home, and I'm I'm fortunate I live in Boulder, Colorado, in a very (laughs) natural environment, and I started looking at the trees and the sky and the rocks, and I had this different appreciation because I was hearing about all of these studies, scientific research that you document in your book, and I was experiencing the life pulse of nature. But what I noticed then is later in the day, not that many hours after, I forgot about it. And I was kind of back in my everyday focused consciousness, if you will, thinking about all the things I had to get done. And I'd lost that connection with that glowing, vibrant force. What do you suggest to people so that they can stay connected with that sense of resonance with the yes. life force of nature?
1: Well, this is a this is a good question and the answer is that you have to experience experience nature on a regular base basis, you know. What I personally do, I go to the forest every day. I get up in the morning at six o'clock and the first thing I do do is I go out to the forest. Um, So this activates my biophilic force every day again and again. And this um, strengthens my connection to nature. Uh, Of course not everybody can do that because not everybody has access to a forest every day. But you can go to the forest as often as possible and you could find your personal special places there, you know, that you prefer. Then you could pick photos of them and you could, uh, could, you could you kind of put them on the wall at home. The first thing when you wake up in the morning is, uh, that you see is one of those photos, for example. Imagine that. You always remember this place in the morning. You can, you can go there and record the sounds of the trees when the wind blows through the crowns the of the trees. Or you can record the voices of the birds, the birdsong, or the water, whatever. And you can listen to it during the break at work, for example, or in the morning during breakfast. And so you can bring those biophilic experiences into your everyday life. And this will strengthen your personal connection because it will always uh, recall your memories of nature. And for me personally, that helps a lot. And there are scientific studies that have shown definitely that the sound of nature, the recorded sound of nature, has a significant positive effect on our psyche. even helps people with, with Depression to get into a better mood and people who who put uh, or people who, who can see nature scenes on the wall at their working space for example report about um, about uh, stressful events and about burnout significantly less and more, and sel- more seldom, can you say that, more seldom, is that correct? Sure. Yeah, than people who don't have those nature scenes in their office. And there we, we, we have a lot of uh, studies from uh, Rachel and Stephen Kaplan, who are uh, env- environmental psychologists uh, at the University, University of Michigan. And they have proved in several studies that, uh, Looking out at the window in the off- from the office and seeing a tree or seeing nature scenes uh, has a significantly positive effect on on your work and on your on your concentration, for example, and the attention that you can maintain during your work. So I think that we should plant trees and and plants in front of our office windows, for example. Or even, if if that's not possible, at least um, plant uh, trees into the office, you know, potted trees, small trees, and plants that we like. So that we are surrounded by plants and by biophilic impressions all day long.
0: Now, you mentioned, Clemens, that first thing in the morning, you get up, you take a walk in the forest, and you feel this activation of the biophilia effect in you. What does it feel like to you? Describe it from the inside, not in scientific yes. terms, but as a feeling.
1: It is a very strong feeling of identity. I feel to be, to be a part of this ecosystem. And for me, it has a very strong and, and important spiritual component. Because what is spirituality? Human spirituality is the seek of our roots. Where do we come from? Yeah, what are we? And if I, if I experience nature every day, for example, then I always connect, reconnect with my roots, with my origins. And as I said, it is the experience of the forest is connected to my identity as a human being. And it's quite interesting if we look back to Albert Einstein, the big and famous um, physicist who wrote that um, the the experience of nature was one of the most most important forces in his life. That that um, yeah that helped him uh, not that helped him. How should I say uh, that that uh, yeah that helped him doing his research with mm-hmm. all of his heart. Mm-hmm. He, for example, called himself. Um, or, or the kind of spiritual feeling that he had. He called this feeling cosmic, uh, cosmic spirituality. That means feeling as a part of nature, feeling as a part of this ecosystem of the universe. He was a phys- physicist, so he was very interested in the, in the universe. But let's break it down to the forest. Let's, let's look at the forest. If we enter a forest, we can feel a part of it. And this is a very strong feeling. And especially nowadays in in our life when we are disconnected from nature, maybe this is a reason why we kind of lose a part of our identity, why so many people are seeking for new kinds of spirituality and often, yeah, in some cases, that leads them up the garden path. Because, you know, not, not every... Not, not all of those offers that we, we can find regarding spirituality are really helpful for us. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to nature, back to your roots, this is a very honest thing. You know, the forest doesn't lie on you. The forest doesn't cheat on you. Uh, if you go back to your roots, you, are really, you have the direct connection to the force of life, to the biophilic forces in the forest that are also the source of your own biophilic forces. That's the point. You know, you can find the biophilic force in yourself and you can, bind, you can find the biophilic force in the forest, in the trees, in every animal. And this is what connects the whole network of life, the community of life forms. And we can feel a part of that. And this is a really strong feeling, a very, really strong uh, spir- spirit, spiritual feeling for me that gives me, the feeling of my identity. Yeah, that's how I would describe it.
0: Very good, very hopeful. Now, you describe in the subtitle of your book that we'll be exploring the healing bond between humans and nature. And what we've been talking about is how, by being in a forest, by experiencing nature in a photograph, how we're affected, how we're changed how our nervous system is affected etc what are we offering as part of that bond to the natural world what are we yes. offering as humans
1: that's exactly the point well there is a discussion going on beyond biologists regarding the biophilia hypothesis are we really are we really a biophilic Species or are we a biophobic species? You know, the opposite, destructive. We are destroying the planet, and that for commercial reasons. We are destroying the forests, We are destroying our ecosystems. And I must admit that we, we cannot say that the, the relationship of us humans to the natural world is balanced because we are destroying more than we give, and that, for me personally, it's, it's quite interesting, interesting to see, to observe that single humans, individuals, are always, almost always biophilic. They like nature, they like being in nature. They always describe how beautiful the forest is for them, but as a species, as a society, we often behave biophobic, which means destructive mm-hmm. to the natural world and this is a phenomena which we should overcome i think because this uh, responsible for this is kind of yeah the psychology of collect collectives you know we 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 are grow, we grow up and we we are educated in the, in a school system that teaches us that we have to be economically successful and that we have to study something which is useful for economy and many people believe that they should study something that the system wants them to study yeah you know i often heard that well you can study biology but you know biology is not something that you can live from Mm
0: -hmm.
1: economically and i never heard to those voices but i never listened to those voices but i know many people who have been impacted deeply by teachers for example and also by parents and who believe that they rather shouldn't study or learn something that they really want to learn from the bottom of their hearts but rather something which is uh, economically sustainable and this, this dominance of the economic view instead of the ecological view is responsible for why we behave destructive. But as I just said, every human being or every, almost every individual of us is biophilic. So there is the potential of a biophilic society for the future. But I can answer your only question only in that way that I say, yes, well, we don't give back very much to nature, you know, we, we rather take something, take a lot out of it, all the resources, but we don't give something back. And the point is also, you know, we are destroying and using the resources of people in Africa and Southern America, for example, for our food production, for our livestock farming. And this is also, you know, from from an ethical view, view, from a a social view, this is really a horrific thing. And I'm hoping to contribute to a kind of ecological change, to, to a shift of our society, an ecological turn of our society towards an ecological society that takes care for the planet, for the other people, for the animals. For the future of the planet of Earth. But we are talking about the future and I know very well that even if biophilia is a beautiful thing, our species doesn't behave like a biophilic species.
0: Mm -hmm. Now obviously you're making an important contribution and standing up and speaking for the natural world in your work, and in your writing. I'm curious, when you're just being and you're out in the woods, you're in a forest, do you have a sense of communicating yourself and giving back to the natural world in some way? And what does that feel like?
1: Yes, that's, that's a very strong feeling and I, I'm absolutely not alone with that. I'm, I'm sure that many people know the experience, how good it feels. Um, to behave in a way that doesn't cause too much harm to the environment and to other species. I can give you one concrete example. When I, when I sit in the forest and I listen to the bird song, it really makes me so happy knowing that I don't kill animals for my food, for example. You know, this is a very important topic of my life since I, since I was 13. And now I'm, I'm 37, means for, for, for um, 24 years, 25 years, I've been a vegetarian and in the last years even vegan. I don't kill animals for my food. And this is a thing that really strengthens my connection to the animal kingdom. It gives me a good feeling in the forest to meet, yeah, foxes, deers, squirrels, birds, knowing that as much as I can, I don't destroy or harm the animal kingdom. Uh, and I think that forests, the trees in the forest are very interesting, and really I, I have a lot of respect for trees, and, and we should protect them as much as we can. But what, what really brings consciousness into the forest are the animals. The animals are the conscious entities or the most conscious entities of the forest, in my perception. And um, if you meet animals in the forest, it's a good possibility to question your own own behavior, for example, uh, when it's about treating animals. And I'm sure that the most people who listen now have already thought a lot about uh, animal ethics, and our treatment of animals but if we look at the world we must say that uh, animals are really treated in a very unethical way and i really hope in the future that i can somehow contribute to a shift towards a more yeah a more more humane treatment of animals as well Mm -hmm. in the future and yeah that was that was just one example in How how we can try to give something back uh, to other species, not killing them, not destroying them, you know, not putting them into cages, (laughs) not eating their meat, for example. It's a very important point for me personally, which has a lot to do with biophilia. You know, biophilia means love to other species as well. And those are the animals, for example.
0: Now, one of the things I read in your book, The Biophilia Effect, that I had never heard before, in addition to being introduced to terpenes, I was introduced to this idea that trees have a way of clicking their roots, yeah. that it's a sound that might be inaudible to the human ear, but there's actually a clicking sound in the root systems, and that's also a form of communication among trees. How was this clicking sound detected?
1: It's a kind of clicking or crackling sound, which has been detected by you know, the point is now I'm I'm not an English native speaker. I actually don't know really an English word for You're for, doing
0: great for, Clemens.
1: Yes. You know, it has been detected detected by by special um technical technical equipment that yeah. can identify those sounds. Which the wavelength it's a wavelength that the human hear ear cannot hear but there are of course um, machines that can identify those noises.
0: And is there any sense what it means, what these clicking sounds are no, representing? No, it is not.
1: We, we don't understand this yet. This is a big question of biology. What exactly those those clicking so- sounds mean? It is quite obvious that it is, that it, it is a kind of communicative process. And um, not only those clicking sounds, you know, there is a, um, a network of, of fungi, in the forest, which is called uh, mycorrhiza. Probably many people might know this word. And this is a symbiosis of plants and fungi. Those fungi connect to the roots of the trees, and they connect all the trees of a forest to each other. And trees can kind of um, send nutrition and other compounds through this network of mycorrhiza. And biochemical, uh, bioactive molecules like the terpenes that, are, um, that can be found in the forest air in a, in a volatile form, but also in a, in a liquid form or, or in a molecule, in the form of a molecule in the mycorrhiza. So there are many kind of channels that plants can use to communicate to each other the mycorrhiza, the clicking sounds, the volatile substances, the terpenes in the forest air. So, but I just want to, honestly, I just want to um, distinguish that kind of communication from the communication of animals and humans. Because that kind of plant communication, and this is really a big misunderstanding. People often, often think it is a kind of that kind of communication that animals are are capable to do or able to do, it is a different kind of communication. It is a biochemical, uh, biological communication, like our cells use to communicate to each other. Our cells uh, have the same or very similar biological, biochemical ways to communicate to each other, to transport information from one cell to the next cell. And so can our organs do. Our organs can communicate to each other uh, with biochemical substances. And this is extremely important to, um, to maintain the function of an organism. That's why I say the forest is a kind of organism. You know? And the plants and, and, and trees are somehow like the organs, the organs of the forest. But it is not a kind of communication like, well, I want to call sure. my publisher and tell them that I'm feeling sad today. Please help me. Send me somebody to help me or something like that, you know. And in the media, it is often, you know, they often draw a picture of, of plants kind of chit-chatting with each other, you know. And as a biologist, you know, I absolutely, it really causes <laughs> strange feelings, in, inside me when I hear that. It is not that kind of communication that animals are uh, capable because animals are really able to communicate in a social way. This is different. It, it's, it's really a, so, a social process between animals or between us and an animal. Um, I would for example make that example uh, my organs are communicating to each other using bio, biochemical substances, biochemical molecules, like the trees. But I wouldn't say that, our, that my organs are consciously communicating in, in a social way to each other. But I would anytime say that a dog is communicating in a social way to another dog or to a human being, for example, or a cat, or a pig, or a cow, whatever. Uh, And this is so important for me because we should respect plants and we should understand that they are incredible creatures, really. Uh, It's unbelievable how mysterious kind of the life of plants can be and how little of it we understand nowadays. But we should not forget that we should not mix it up with the communication of animals and humans, you know, it, it is... It it is a different level, and that that's why it's so important for me always to mention um, also the for, the animals that live in the forest, mm-hmm. which are, you know, the level of consciousness is a bit is a bit it's a different level of consciousness. I don't want to say it's a higher level of consciousness, but you know this this individual experience lives in a in a in a human or in in an animal, but Plants don't have this, in my personal experience, they don't have this individual exper- experience, this feeling of, that you have inside, you know. Plants are more collective, they're collective organisms.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and this is a very important thing. We have, we have an anthropologist in Germany, he's called Wolf-Dieter Stoll, and he was a lecturer, lecturer, lecturer in the United States for, for decades. And he's a very spiritual person, he's a friend of mine, and he writes books about plants. But he also distinguishes the level of consciousness that you can find in an animal or in a human being from the consciousness that you can find in a plant. He always says, you know, I'm not, I'm not so, so, so familiar with spiritual terms, I'm a biologist, but very open-minded, but he explained to me me his, his view of the world, and he said that the soul of the plant surrounds the plant and is connected to a collective spirit uh, is connected to a kind of collective spirit spirit of the plants but the soul of a mammal for example a big pig a cat uh, a cow and human being uh, the soul of of us is, is inside us you know and this makes also from from the teachings of some spiritual people, a quite big difference.
0: Now, what I'm imagining here as we come to a close in our conversation is that somebody's listening and they're excited to go for a walk and be outside and really connect with the natural world and feel into the social collective, and maybe they'll run into a squirrel or who knows what kind of animal. What are your suggestions for that person to absolutely open up and receive and get the most out of their nature experience?
1: Well, I think that y- you should develop your own and personal individual um, approach to nature some people might like to meditate in nature for example what i personally do is that i'm going to forest bathing which is um, a practice uh, of of ancient asia of ancient china actually Um, and it's a, a way to connect physically and mentally to the forest just want to say one thing forest bathing is now a quite well-known term. And everybody believes that it goes back to a Japanese tradition. But this is not true. It goes back to a Chinese tradition, which is called Senlin Yu. And this is a very old tradition, 2,500 years old, as old as the teachings of Qigong and um, those old masters of Qigong 2,500 years ago developed exercises to take in or to absorb the qi of the forest, as they called it, the life energy, the energy of life. And only in the 1980s, the Japanese authorities kind of overtook the term of forest bathing from the Chinese culture. Nobody knows that. I just want to say it. Sure. uh, This is my personal favorite. Lin Yu is my personal favorite. And I practice it uh, regarding biophilia, I mean. And I practice it since 20 years. I was taught Qigong, Tai Chi, and Lin Yu by... uh, a Chinese master of Kung Fu who was born in the south of China but now is a teacher in in Austria at my university. And since that I I'm involved in sending you in the original forest bathing. And this is my personal approach when I want to have a really, really deep experience of nature. Because it, it because it is a meditative state, but it is connected to movements, very slow movements, calming movements, um, sometimes quite exhausting but still calm and, and very you know well balanced, harmonic movements. And those movements are designed in a way that regarding Chinese tradition, you are taking, uh, taking in the chi of the forest, the, the life, the, the energy of life that the forest contains. But you're not only taking, you're also giving energy, so it is, it is a kind of circle. And those exercises are really great, as I said, it is a kind of meditation, but it is also physical exercising, and it gives me a very strong experience of nature. And in my book, uh, the biophilia effect, I have described a few of those exercises. But there are many, many other possibilities, for example, you can lay down on the soil and just relax and imagine how your body is becoming heavier and heavier because this, this has an effect on your muscles which is proven. The imagination that your arms, for example, are becoming heavier, like a weight has the effect that your muscles will relax very deeply. And this is called autogenic training. And uh, yes, another possibility is simply to, well, just to walk through the forest and open your senses, your eyes, your ears, your, the, open yourself for the smell of the forest, and just try to, to identify as many different sensations as you can, you know, kind of intensifying your uh, sensation in the forest, which is very useful because the forest is full of sensations. Yeah, there are many, many ways. I I think you should just find your personal and and perfect way. Another way to experience nature very intense is the biophilic training as I call it I always say the biophilia training that means I go to the forest for sports don't go, don't go to the to the fitness center you know there are no ter- no terpenes there is no fresh air and the movements are not natural go to the forest for example every second day I take my bike my mountain bike and go to the forest and I drive up the mountain in the forest then I then i get off the bike and start a little of little bit of off-road running which is great for your muscles from from your feet to your head you know everything is trained in such a natural or on such a natural terrain in a very uh, in a very um, intense way and then i find a tree or i find a heavy stone or a heavy branch of a tree and i kind of make some strength exercises so this is my way of of connecting to the forest in a very intense way i think there are so many possibilities you know from the meditative meditative way to the biophilic training you will find your own personal approach i think
0: and clemens i just have let me just mention
1: one more thing which is really important just one more thing um we know from scientific studies that our imagination has a significant impact on our body function on our organic functions. For example, there has been uh, has been conducted a very interesting study in which people were asked to imagine their neutrophils, which are a very important part of our immune system, to become very sticky. You know, because neutro- neutrophils are the first eight cells of our body, that means they are Transported by the blood, and whenever there is an event like, uh, like for example, um, a, path, uh, the, uh, a pathogenic a pathogen intrudes into your into your blood into your body, those neutrophils have to be there very fast. That means that they have to stop themselves in the blood flow and get out into the tissue. And for that, they are using sticky substances adhesive substances and those molecules um, help them to connect to the blood vessels inside and pull themselves out into the tissue that needs help and those students in this uh, as i just said in this in this study were asked to visualize their neutrophils neutrophiles to become more and more sticky And they did that for a week or something. And in the end, they found out that those people who made those uh, visualizations really had a significantly increased content of those adhesive molecules, those sticky substances in their blood. And those who just uh, were only sent to to meditation and to um, relaxation and so on, they didn't have those changes. This is a very strong proof that our imagination has an impact on our organic function. And what I often do, or what I I often recommend in my seminars, for example, to people, is that they can support the biophilia effect in the forest by visualizing the terpenes um, being transported from the trees to their nose, for example, or to their mouth, and uh, then being transported into their lungs when they breathe in, and especially visualizing the effect. However you visualize your natural killer cells or your anti-cancer proteins, you can probably support the effect of forest air by uh, visualization. And this is also a way to connect to the forest in a in a very intense way because the forest um, anyway activates your fantasy, and it's very interesting after those exercises to ask the participants uh, about what kind of pictures the forest um, the forest brought up in their mind, and usually they they visualize the terpenes as some kind of Misty fog in the forest that comes to them or as a kind of something magical you know um, one person visualized um the the terpenes as a kind of biomass that was uh, that was taken into their blood and and their organism was a kind of compost, a very natural compost that was quite interesting, and this compost uh was kind of activated by the terpenes from the forest air and then this person she felt uh warmth in her body she felt how how her 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 whole body became warmer and kind of yeah activated this compost function. That was a very interesting picture. I had to smile about that. Mm-hmm. You know, the the forest activates our fantasy. And if you want, if you're open-minded for that, why not trying to visualize the process of the intake of forest air, of terpenes, and the effect that they have on your immune function? And this is the reason why I also described a few fantasy exercises in the book, and why I described several scientific studies that prove that fantasy has an effect on our body function.
0: I've been speaking with Clemens Arway. He's the author of the new book, The Biophilia Effect, a scientific and spiritual exploration of the healing bond between humans and nature. Clemens, I know you're in Austria right now as we speak and have taken the time for this conversation together. And I'm so grateful to you for your great love of the natural world, your activated biophilia. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. And I just want to say, you know, I'm not a native speaker. Everybody could hear that, but I hope I hope you're satisfied, and I hope that the listeners are satisfied. I gave my best, (laughs) and it was great to talk to you. Thank you.
0: I feel very satisfied, and I feel your deep love and your activism and your generosity. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Soundstreet.com, many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.